This is the home of what I call the 100. Many years ago, I recognized that if I knew at least 100 highly capable, talented leaders and performers, then when we wanted to achieve something, I could reach out to the people who already knew how to do it, and I could use their strategy, which means a high return on any effort that we put in. This group is now called The 100, and they're the people that I access for this show, and the intent is to bring you unique insights that they have to achieve all sorts of incredible things. And along the way, I will coach you on how to execute their knowledge. What's really important for you when you turn up is that you need to have front of mind. What is it that you want to get really good at? Today's show is brought to you by The Micro Library a unique collection of over 100 short videos with concise solutions to any of the challenges your people are facing in business. Maybe they're hiring, leading, sales are down, culture's a problem, people are a bit flat. Whatever the challenge, there'll be a short three to six minute video to guide your people on how to solve that problem super fast. It is truly your unfair training advantage. Check out the entire range at themicrolibrary.com. Okay, Colby, throw to the show, mate. Hello. Welcome to Dobbo's podcast. The show is about to start, so pull up a chair, open the popcorn, and get ready to learn some really helpful shit. Hello, and welcome to the show that is called Dobbo's Podcast. I struggled over the name for so long, but then I realized when people would tell someone else that they should listen to a podcast, they're just going to say, you should listen to Dobbo's Podcast. And they're going to forget what the name even is. I could give it a complicated name, but it wouldn't make a difference. So welcome to the show. In my experience, when people are trying to get better at something, there's two things that they're kind of exploring. One is the mindset. What do I need to believe? How do I need to think? What's my attitude towards this project? And the other is, what's the skill set that would allow me to do it? Now, if you've just got mindset, you've just got the right attitude, but you don't have skill, that's called delusion. But if you've got just the skill and you don't have the mindset that liberates it, then you've got wasted talent because you can play the piano or you could close a deal, but you don't have the confidence or the attitude or the approach that allows you to do it. In my experience, business owners are working so hard. They have so much at stake. They've been working on this project for so long. Their ego's invested in it. Their money's invested in it. Their time is invested in it. They possibly should have just bought a house and had a regular old job and paid off that house and possibly would have made more money. So they're heavily invested. And what I'm passionate about resourcing that person with is the strategy for whatever problem they've got in front of them so that they can put in the same amount of effort or sometimes even less and get a better outcome. So what you're going to find when you come to this show are interviews with people that will not have big social media profiles. There are people in my business network that are unknown. And I like that because I prefer to be unknown too, frankly, even though I've got a show called Dobbo's Podcast and do lots of presentations and similar. It's not for me. It's not about attention. I just am very good at communicating an idea. And it's a necessity, if you like, that I have a small profile. But the people that I'm tapping into don't have profiles at all. They're passionate about the work they do and they're very, very good at it. And when I spend time with these outliers and dissect what it is that they do, there are strategies that the rest of us can execute. And even though we think that the problem we've got in front of us is very, very complicated, it feels complicated because we don't know the strategy. So let's just take something really simple like money. People might think they've got to change their beliefs about money or get really rigid and create boundaries. But the truth is, if you just put three bucks in the bank every day, eventually you're going to be rich. It's pretty simple. You don't need to believe or hope or visualize or strategize. It's just do that action. Likewise, if your relationship's struggling, it makes sense that there'd be value in having date nights, doesn't it? Or if you're physically out of shape, 
it would make sense that we were doing some sort of exercise regularly. There's a doing that's required. But of course, when we get there, there are subtleties very specific to my situation, very specific to my finances, relationship, body, whatever it is. And when you find an expert, they're able to recognize the strategy that allows for all the vulnerabilities, challenges, struggles that you're trying to navigate. And suddenly a situation that you thought was impossible, unmanageable, unmovable, can suddenly quickly be navigated through. So rather than talking about it anymore, let's just start. For the rest of this podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to a bunch of people that are interviewed in later episodes. And I want you to experience gems right away, gems of strategy, insight that can make your life easier. So let's start with Sean McKeogh. Sean develops and trains the staff for theme parks around the world. Ferrari World, Warner Brothers Movie World. He's had roles around Disney and a bunch of others. Any theme park you can think of, he's probably had a hand in at some time or another. The staff for these places are on minimum wage, yet they have to be happy every day. And as a customer, when you go to a theme park, you expect the staff to be happy. You want them to be happy. And if you're not happy, then you may not come back. Further, you may not take a photo. You may not post about it. The staff in a theme park are on minimum wage and we need maximum happiness and engagement from them regardless of what's going on in their life. So how does he do it? Well, here you go. An outtake from one of the evenings at the 1 to 10 Business Club, Sean McKeogh. I would advocate for all of leaders to recognize and value and say something about desired behaviors you want to see. Every single desired behavior. So mark that name. The way in which you handled that angry guest prior to lunch, that's the situation. It was fantastic. Okay, I left out what, what was it that you did, okay. okay? You were calm. You gave them strong eye contact and you showed empathy by nodding and uh, with some affirming words. That was great. You made that guest, so there's the next one, acknowledge how it impacted the guest or the customer. You made that guest feel really listened to now, how did it impact the organization? That's great for our business. You created a repeat visitor. Keep up the good work, Mark. You know what I mean? If you follow that structure and we teach all of our leaders and managers how to praise effectively, how to value people effectively, there's one little tick in that process of valuing people. Everyone loves to be valued or told what they're doing well. But we don't highlight enough specifically what people do well. We say, hey, good job today, Mark. And you walk away going, huh, what'd I do? You know, have no idea what you did. We've got the little awards thing we do here. We put votes down and we've had some today and depending on, we've got four awards here. Blaze of Glory Award, which means you had a crack, but even if it failed, we respect you. Angel Investor, you were able to just contribute something that really helped other people. Mr Miyagi, you have the ability to be both a teacher and the student. Okay. And the, the champagne glass, which in a short way is like you, you recognise a chess move that is so clever. If you do that, you're going to get a good reward. Mm-hmm. And we actually acknowledge each other on that. But then what happens, some people just like last time, because we were just learning this, just tick. They said Dom. And so Dom goes, oh, I got vote for something. But she doesn't know what it is. Sure. You apply those six steps, right? And write it down. I always encourage them, write it down. Think about it beforehand. And then, you know, within the theme parks like Disney, Universal, 20th Century Fox, doesn't matter what park it is, we've all adopted this system of writing the recognition down before we give it because that helps you think through those important pieces. And you'll often find that we give cards 
So, I mean, I've given created these processes before and given the cards to employees, and employees keep these cards. And you know what? Often they will cry because no one has been specific in saying what that manager has said in regards to recognising clearly what they've done that's impacted the guest and the business. They've broken down and, cry and cried and said, what has ever recognised me for all my hard efforts? I'm a massive fan of Sean's. He was a mentor of mine when I was very young. We continue to be friends and I'm in awe of his work. And if you're managing people that you need the most out of, you can see that that's helpful, right? And the rest of the interview, you're going to love it. But you may not be dealing with that particular problem right now. So what about if you're in a crisis? Well, during COVID, when the crap was hitting the fan, I reached out to Jeff Harris. Jeff built Flight Center from scratch. And at the time, he had a huge staff around the world twiddling their thumbs because there weren't any flights. The industry was going down. His other businesses are also co-working spaces, which basically required everybody to gather together, which was no longer allowed. He had expenses bleeding out in every direction, yet he's a very smart operator. He's very well connected to very smart people. He's one of the smartest men I know for certain. So I asked him to come along to the business club and explain some of his approaches. Here's one little gem. You were saying during this time, it's really important to keep up the relationships of your staff, customers, and your suppliers. With Flight Center, obviously with your customers, there's little to zero that you're providing in terms of sales for your customers. How are you guys maintaining that relationship with your customers? By keeping on staff before this thing happened, we had uh, just on 10,000 staff, there's still 6,000 left. And all those guys are either in call centres or in store. And so if you were, if you booked a trip to Europe, say, and you were, and it was in May, okay, you could get online or ring up and they will defer that for you for December or 2021 or whatever. The investment in the people now is investing in a customer base going forward. So when we pick up, we've still got that relationship. So I guess that was why I've still got people there answering questions. Although interestingly, we had a lot of anecdotal feedback and one of our online competitors are getting smashed by customers because they just can't get on them. So they can't get access to that particular company to change their dates or defer their dates or cancel their travel. And so what will happen to that company if they're still around when they come out the other end? So that's why keeping relationships with customers is really important, even if it costs you. And suppliers, suppliers have been really important to you. A lot of those suppliers will be, will be small businesses. They will rely on your income, not so much for you guys, but many of you are in smaller businesses, but they'll still, you'll still be an important element for them. So if you can still trade with them, still pay them on time, keep that relationship up, they'll be there for you at the other end of the world. Of course, not everything is as dire as navigating COVID. It is very helpful to be able to access somebody like that and get guidance well before the real ramifications and the crisis had hit us all. So we're able to navigate in a beautiful, elegant fashion, have our house in order. But there are certainly other elements of leadership which are perhaps more universally required. The ability to lead staff, mingle, deal with the negative people in your team, support the positive people. Here's Kath Mainland. You may not have heard of it before, but you've probably heard of the Edinburgh Festival, of which she was the CEO, and the Melbourne Festival, of which she's the CEO. And she has phenomenal insight in how to lead in all levels of the organisation, from the people who tear the tickets to the phenomenal artists that she engages with, to navigating her way through constant media attention, working liaison with politicians, media interests, a very capable board. She has so many donors and funders and an idealist too that would like the festival to be a certain way. She has some gold insight into how to manage those relationships. 
Have a listen to this. What have you learned about presenting information to, to a board like that and to people that are... Because they are the people I know on boards are Bad so capable. Bad news up front. Bad news up front. There you go. That's going. <laughs> really? Get, news gets better. That's oh, not. bad news up front and <laughs> bad the news, news, gets, news better. gets better. Yeah. That's really it. And are you... <laughs> I mean, on. good news up front too, obviously, but we all do good news up front. But would you say that about, you know, any conversation that you're having, even if it was with a team member or something? No, 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 not, not conversations, right. but like board information, like like doing a paper for a board. Get it out. If it's if you've got a bad thing to tell them, tell them. Don't sit on bad news, that's what my granny would say. My granny would say things like, don't sit on bad news, don't go to bed on an argument. Mm. <laughs> no economy like a false economy. <laughs> I think that's really important because I think that often when we're dealing with senior people we don't realise they want it differently they don't want a long email they want a short email they don't want to hear all the fluff they just want to tell me the guts of it and it is a skill to to adapt like that because I sit on boards so you have to try again that thing of remembering you know we go oh my god why don't they remember that our strategic priority is this because they're incredibly busy people who probably haven't thought about you since the last board meeting six Mm. weeks ago why would they so don't assume that, but also make it easy for them. You have to support people. Like I have this thing that I say that you know you have to stand behind people when it's all going really well, and you have to stand in front of them when it's going badly wrong. You know, like if it's all good, let them put them out in front and let them take the bow. And if it's going badly wrong, even if they're those people over you who possibly caused the thing that is going badly wrong, stand in front of them because that's your job. Mm. Take the fire. You know. I think that I really like that. There's a simplicity in that, and I think anybody would enjoy a leader that had that. Philosophy. It's not. You don't always do it. I don't do. Have I done that all the time? Do I do that as well as I should? No, of course not. But but as a principle, I think that's a good way to think about it. I think when we're truly leading, we're prepared to die by a thousand cuts. <laughs> like I think you just <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. Somehow you're at the front and you take a hit, and and everybody else at the end goes, "Oh, wasn't that an amazing event?" And they've got no idea that you. And Craig liked. said this that you know at that point where all the players had arrived and they'd remembered about the quarantine and the fact that they couldn't go and they were all kicking off and everyone's kicking off about it. And he said. Uh, that's what I did, you know, for five hours a day I spoke to the players and then let them vent to me because they're important to us but I also didn't want my team to have to deal with that. So I did that, I talked to them and then they, and they came around. So what I'm hoping you're picking up is that really talented people have particular insights and strategies that allow them to be successful. Our job as business owners and as leaders, as creatives, outliers in our talent is to either discover those or to find people who've already got them and learn them. That's what happened to me. I became a hub. Even this podcast is kind of like a hub. I've met interesting people. And every time I meet someone interesting or do something particularly interesting with my own role, it gives me permission to meet someone else. And I've accidentally become a hub. And that hub has allowed me to introduce people like you to strategies that you may not have been able to get access to otherwise. You are a reflection of your skill set and you're a reflection of your diary. Over the course of this podcast and engaging with all the different episodes, I'm really hoping that you see your diary change a little bit. I'm hoping you see your mindset change a little bit, and I'm hoping you see your skill set change a little bit. And if there's a slight movement in each of those, just a tiny movement, a slight variation in all of those in the right direction, you're going to get a phenomenally compounding impact in your life. You're going to see a different outcome in your life and in your business. One of the guys that you're going to hear from in later episodes is Ananda Savaya. Now, Ananda is a very, he's a close friend of mine. I really enjoy Ananda's company. He is an absolute genius when it comes to sales. When he was working at Hewitt Packard, he had over 7,000 staff that he was managing globally. He has negotiated and landed two $1 billion deals. On two occasions, he said had somebody write a check for a billion dollars. This guy really understands sales. Now, there are some skill sets around sales, which listen to another episode, but take a listen to this for an insight on mindset. 
This might really challenge you, but I'm really keen for you to get exposed to these radically different ways of thinking and operating because you, you might, might find it challenging, but you need to entertain the plausibility that maybe this works. Maybe the cliches are wrong. Here's Ananda and his views on buyers, customers. What's the one biggest thing that buyers like to lie? <laughs> I'm powerful, come to me. I'll take you, I'll do this. They're freaking lying. Just recognize that your buyers love to lie. Bear that in mind. Carry that with you. Like, seriously, just as much as people think that sellers lie, buyers love to lie. How many buyers have lied to you guys? Think about it. Go back and dig deep into every sales situation. How many of your buyers have lied to you? I've got this budget. Yeah, I'm powerful. Yeah, I can do this. Trust me. Give it to me. I can get, take it forward. Or they're lying because, because inadvertently, they've got another competitor that they want to push. So you've got to be careful when you get a real catalyst, the catalyst never lies to you. Your catalyst never actually lies to you. Anybody who's non-catalyst for you, lies to you. So don't underestimate the line that takes place. So they string you along, and I, you go along with that journey, right? You got another three more days, and another five more days, and a month, and another two months, and, then, and you're just pouring money at that point in time, right? More than one minute that you spend, you're spending money. So I, the one thing I, I look for is, is this, how credible is this person, like really, right? So you, you can triple check in the organization if you, if you know the organization well enough, you could typically find out, you know, if you, if you can build a campus. How's that for something different? Oh, wait till we get to the episode on sales and possibly you'll be interested in the sales courses that we have as well. There's lots of resources to follow these podcasts, but I can't wait till you get to Ananda's interview. It's just full of gems. He's been a regular to the business club actually because we just can't get enough of the way he thinks. And the reality of business is you're constantly negotiating, constantly closing deals. And as you learn more and more about Ananda, he's just got so much of the the customer's interest at heart because he knows that's the way to get the deal done. Fall in love with your customer, find out what they're like. And as we go into that episode, oh, we'll explore well, how do you even find good salespeople? How do you train them? How do you develop them? How do you keep them accountable? There's so many things to explore. For now though, let's move on to another insight. This is Gary Ayres. For those people that know AFL football, you probably know his name. Gary Ayres captained multiple premierships at Hawthorne. He's a two-time Norm Smith medalist. That, for those people that don't know the sport, that means he's the best player on the field in a grand final, equivalent to the Super Bowl, if you don't know Australian rules football. He is a phenomenal talent. He also coached a VFL team to the perfect season. Zero losses and won the premiership. He is a remarkable leader. I've had many chats with him about leadership and sport and performance, and it's always an absolute pleasure. Listen to this little gem about how he acknowledges that sometimes he messes up and as a result, he needs to sort of ask for forgiveness. As a leader, I'm sure it's happened to all of us. More often than not, people say nice things about me, so that's an easy sell, I guess. Until you can spray. <laughs> I've seen your sprays. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just my voices a little bit, yeah. you know. Um, do you ever, yeah. Actually, do you ever give a spray and then go, oh, I might have overdone that? Definitely. Yeah, I call it a paint peeler. And right. um, I've actually worked out that when you get in an emotional state, as we all can do, there's a lot of emotional people in jail. That's what I say now anyway. And um, I've also worked on the philosophy that I'm better off in an emotional state saying little because I find I can light my fuse and then afterwards I do exactly what you've just said 
and I've burnt a bridge and then for the next week or two I've got to actually repair that bridge and I have a little thing that I do, I call it my lap of love. So I'll get you and we'll just walk lap after lap around the ground of me basically apologising, grovelling, trying to get you back on side and um, more often than not it works. And do they know they're going on a lap of love? Yeah. yeah they're so probably terrified at the start yeah, of the thing. Yeah, they are, just what have I done now, you know? Yeah. So, but once we sort of get into it, and as I said, I tell them I love them and I didn't mean it. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we have a little tiff because it's like brother to brother or brother mm. to sister or, or whatever. But I'm actually annoyed at myself, not at you. Mm. And I'm annoyed at myself because I've actually got annoyed, but it's not you. And... Um, it's better to actually sit back and collect all the information because quite often I'll say, geez, Mark, you did pretty well today. And then I'll watch the game again and I'll actually, oh, you weren't that good, really. And then someone else who I said was not that good was actually better than what I initially thought. So, yeah, you've got to get yourself into the perspective of being quite calm. Total gold, right? I think we can all see the human in that, that we've somehow been there before. I remember one time really upsetting somebody I really love who was on my team and had to go crawling back to say sorry. And it wasn't enough. I didn't know how to do it. I'd probably do a bit of a job of it now, but I remember that she loved volleyball. So I purchased her the best brand, newest, most expensivest volleyball I could possibly get. And I went around her house and I said sorry and gave her this gift, which was something that she loved, hoping that she would somehow forgive me. And I was a bit clumsy with my words. I didn't know how to say. I didn't listen well enough at the time, but I was desperately trying. And we've all done that, where we accidentally stuff up and somehow got to retrace our steps. The fact that he's got a strategy for it and he's accepted that this is his tool and this is his uh, penance, if you like, it's wonderful. And I'm sure we've all got our own version. Before we go, let's listen to one more. This is world champion Grant Hackett. I'm lucky to be able to call Grant a friend and I've advised Grant and his executive team for some time. This is his take on leadership. I think in business, um, I've always said it to our entire team here, you know, just on this floor we'll have 60 odd people. And, and when I do a talk in front of them, I say every single person is a leader. A leader is not a title because, you know, you get people in businesses or fields that are just a natural leader, even though they mightn't have the title. People gravitate towards them. People listen to what they say. People are influenced by them. And there's all those sorts of people that sit around a business. So it's really important that you tell everyone that they are a leader because when they come in and they're in a bad mood or they don't believe in something they're doing and they're canning things along the way, then that has an impact on the entire culture across the place. So everyone has the ability to be destructive or inspirational and it's a conscious choice. So it's really important that, yeah, I might sit here as a, a leader within business, I might have been captain of the Olympic swimming team and all those sorts of things, but yeah, my role was the formal role and I was a facilitator of making sure those people all led themselves, whether it was personally or within the team and their contribution to make sure I got the best out of that. That's what mattered. Because if they don't do that, then nothing else matters because you're not going to get your outcome. I find every discussion with Grant absolutely fascinating. His obsession with performance, his knowledge of it, his insight into what it really takes to be world champion, to really lift your performance, to just be absolutely driven consistently, but also be taking intelligent strategy, to be matching work ethic with intelligent approach. I find it an absolute joy. So I'm so excited to bring you insight into these real outliers, these freak talents that possibly some of you will have heard of, some you won't have heard of. 
I'm just excited to be able to give you strategy after strategy after strategy after strategy. And I know that you will get immediate rewards if you execute them. So here's what you're going to enjoy going forward. The episodes are going to be almost curated. There'll be some episodes which will just be interviews, just beginning to end interview with someone who's an expert. There's going to be other times where the episode really is curated, where we take a topic like leadership and we hear, like we've just done now, what does each person say on leadership? Or what are the five top performers in sales say about sales? Or what about developing culture? Or what about finding investors for your business? There are so many topics we could deep dive into. And rather than just hearing one person's story on it, what I will do sometimes is create episodes where you'll hear five or six or 10 people all giving their take. And when you hear variety like that of all different sources, you'll hear some patterns, some consistencies. Effectively, they'll be all striking the same principle, if you like, the thing that really works. But you'll also hear enough variation for you to assess what is particularly relevant to you, what's a match for you. If you're doing it your way, you probably will find one of these people that leaning a little bit more towards your style or your resources or your stage, and you'll be able to use that. There'll be other episodes where you'll hear me workshopping an idea with an audience. Sometimes it's one of the breakfasts I run, maybe the business club, sometimes a keynote. I've been recording for many years and what I'm looking to do is to create almost courses, if you like. Sometimes a deep dive on how we manage time. Because in my experience, when we manage time, we're not really managing time, we're managing emotions. And unless you can understand the different emotion that goes with different times and tasks, you'll never really hit a performance like hotspot. Likewise, another topic will be performance, managing culture, finding your purpose. Who knows? I've got so many recordings. I'm consistently plowing through them as are my editors. And each time we find a little nugget of gold or workshop that's recorded well enough and appropriately enough, and I don't swear too much in it, we'll chop it up and we'll leave it here. And over time, I hope you're able to communicate with us which of these strategies resonated, which podcasts. I want to hear your success story. I want to hear your challenge, but I'm really interested in your success story too. I want to know that you tried it. And hopefully, over time, you'll feel like you belong to this community. I've been building a community for many, many years now. I really always thought if I had a network of 100 really capable leaders, I and they could do anything. And that community exists now. We gather in all different ways, sometimes private events, sometimes at a winery, sometimes at invite only, sometimes open to the public. But there are some core events like the business club that are consistencies through a calendar year. And if which, if it's a match for you, you're welcome to join into any of these things. But really, I'm hoping you feel like you belong. So as part of that belonging, what I'd like you to do, if you're a listener, email us and I will give you a listener number. I've done this before in another podcast. And it was a wonderful exercise. So for example, if you represent Australia at cricket, you'll be given a number. You're the 269th player to play for Australia. Well, as a listener, you will receive a listener number. And so I don't know who's number one yet. I know that last time I did this, my sister was very upset because she didn't get number one, even though she'd been listening for some time. So I don't know who's going to get number one. Maybe I'll need to keep the first 10 for just, you know, VIPs. But we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email. Go to the webpage, which is dobbo.com.au. Shoot us an email. Say you're a listener. We'll send you back a number. And we'll be really excited to have you part of this community. You have just entered a world of uncommon friends that are working really hard to deliver on the thing that they imagine. And once they've delivered on it, they just imagine again and go bigger. Great to have you on board. This episode is brought to you by the 1 to 10 Business Club. It is where many of these recordings come from. It is the community that I coach and is the best way to get access to all the genius and the melting pot that allow you to liberate the talent and capacity of your business. For more information, just go to dobbo.com.au and look for the right tab. Okay, Colby, wrap up the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for today. 
If you would like to be part of the community or access more strategies for your business, go to dubbo.com.au.